And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Well, Molly and Colin, let's get right into it today. We're going to be studying the flatterer today, Hmm. flattering friends. And I have a special guest on the phone with me today, too. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, my good friend, John Fornoff. And uh, Colin, you had talked about um, a certain progression of the types of people that move from kind of laziness to flattering. Can you give us that, that uh, progression? And we'll, we'll step back and we'll go into it more, more yeah. clearly. Yeah, in the, in the book of Proverbs, in the chapter 26, you see a progression from bad to worse. And so it progresses from a, a fool. It starts with a fool. And what's worse than a fool but a lazy person? That's mm. the next person it covers. Well, what's worse than a lazy person is a talebearer, a slanderer and a gossip. But what's worse than a talebearer and a slanderer and a gossip? Flatterer. A flatterer. <laughs> and the reason is... Now, don't, don't, no, now tell us the reason. Hold that reason. Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> Molly and Colin, I was trying to think of a quote that I heard from John Fornoff probably 12 years ago. And so... Ladies and gentlemen, I called John up. John, I hope I didn't wake you up because I know you're on the West Coast, right? <laughs> it's okay. I just woke up, so it's good. It's all right. I'm here. Yeah, it's only 4 o'clock in the morning there. About, like, there's also problems about sleeping in, so I'm, I'm very conscious of that. Okay. So. Awesome. So, John, do you remember the quote? I, do, I, I didn't want to quote you out of context, and so I wanted to make sure I was getting it from the horse's mouth. What did you say? Uh, what does a flatterer do to people? If I remember correctly, and uh, you, you well, probably you, you it, probably remember it better than what what I'm going to say here, I'm sure. Okay, hold hold on, hold. I hope you do you remember bet. it correctly because you're quoting it. It's you. It's you okay. were quoting. <laughs> I'm quoting myself. <laughs> oh, this is scary. Okay. Well, the sense is that when you compliment someone, when you truly encourage them, you know, it comes from your heart. But when you flatter them, when you flatter someone, it's a compliment with an agenda. Mm. Whoa, that's good. That's exactly what I remember you saying. Hey, John, have a great yes. morning. Uh, go back to bed if you need to. Talk to you later. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, the lazy man turns in his bed. Yeah, I remember all that. So I'll come <laughs> See ya. Bye. Okay, Bye. Yeah, we, you call, never... we called John and quoted <laughs> Proverbs 26. <laughs> and what Pro- John is referencing is hilarious. Um, it says... Uh, in Proverbs twenty six fifteen, the lazy man buries his head in his hand, and then it says uh, later, um, in fourteen, it says, "As the door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed." <laughs> so we o- we woke him up from his sleep and called him lazy. <laughs> we weren't calling him lazy, but we were quoting that, and he picked up on that, which yeah, is amazing. It's only four thirty in the morning. It's amazing. It was amazing that he knew the proverbs that well. Uh, hats off to John. You can only wake a, a, a good friend up like that at that early. Um, well, thank you, John. I hope you're listening to this, and we thank you for your participation in our fasten like nails uh, broadcast this morning but that's an amazing quote isn't it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you can tell you can tell when someone's giving you a compliment Mm -hmm. and it comes from their heart and it's genuine Mm -hmm. you feel good about it but when someone's giving a compliment for their purposes for their agenda wow a a flattering a compliment with an agenda flattering for an agenda yeah well last last podcast we were talking about wise and discerning friends so not everyone can discern the difference between a compliment and then like just pure flattery so i think that's kind of a 
thing to look for too. How do you discern? <laughs> I've been around, so I've been around yeah. for a long time. And over the years, I remember getting all kinds, especially after I'm done speaking, mm -hmm. all kinds of compliments. And I can tell, I can tell the kinds of compliments that come that are more flattering, that serves no real purpose, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, really, at, at the end of it all, it's like if, if I was able to do something really good and communicate, it's always like, God, thank you so much. You know, mm -hmm. you can, you, you've preached many times. Mm -hmm. You can tell when God does the preaching. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. There's times where you just preach and you're like, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I know. Isn't it so true? It is so true. I, I think it reminds me of the proverb. Uh, Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Mm. And so one of the ideas here is one of the things that godly friends can offer you is insight and correction when you're off track. Mm, that's and, good. And so... When we're making godly friends, we want to be challenged, but in a godly way, for godly reasons, mm -hmm. you know. And so we have to consider our friends very carefully. Um, and when you're looking at the Proverbs, the reason why a lazy man is, is more dangerous than a fool, or I'm sorry, the reason why a flatterer is more dangerous than a talebearer or a lazy man or a fool, the reason why a flatterer is so dangerous is because the flatterer appeals to our pride. Mm -hmm. And we want to believe what he's saying, mm -hmm. and we like to hear what he's saying, mm -hmm. and we and we take it into ourselves, and and the and the sin inside of us reaches out for his words and grabs a hold of them. Oh, yikes. You know, I can remember two specific times in my lifetime where someone, I, I I was around a bunch of flatterers, probably for good reasons. It was one of those amazing conferences, and God was just at work, and people were repenting, and you know, and you feel like you're walking on a on a cloud, right? Mm -hmm. But um, this one particular time, um, I spoke six times that day, mm. and each one just kept getting better and better and better. And this one guy, he went to every single one of my seminars, sitting right down in front, and the very last one, he came up to me. And this is after everyone else has been coming up to me and shaking my hand and telling me what a great, mm -hmm. you know, great job I did, what great tr truths I was revealing, etc. And then he comes up to me, he's the last one, and he just looks at me with the most sobering, sincere look, shakes my hand, and he said, you're, you're very appealing, um, you're very compelling, and it's hard not to listen to you. But your mixture of laughter and truth, if you would, he said it's about 50-50, he said if you could just emphasize more of the truth without telling some of the humorous stories that you've given. He says, you give truth that penetrates the heart, but then you immediately bring a story that lets people laugh. Mm. He goes, you're not allowing the penetration of truth to remain there. Mm. And I thought, whoa, I'd never thought of that before. Mm -hmm. And I like being humorous. Mm -hmm. I like hearing people laugh. Mm -hmm. But that's more for me mm -hmm. than for letting God doing his work. And, he's, and he basically was telling me, he said, you might be hindering the work of the Holy Spirit by all of your hum humorous stories. Oh, wow. And it, it really helped balance me out in that way. And then another time, I'll never forget this, I'm always pretty preoccupied, right? A mm -hmm. um, hundred different things going through my head, right? Mm -hmm. And this one guy, his name was Mark, um, and we're talking, we're at church in the hallway, and he's trying to talk to me about something. And my eyes just kept wandering about all the different things that I needed mm -hmm. to make sure were happening, right? Mm -hmm. And then he stopped talking to me, and he looked at me in the eyes. And he waited till he got my eyes, 
And he said, you're not a very good listener. Mm. And he just just stared at me. You know, and, and he's mm. actually now, 20 years later, he's still a very good friend of mine. Wow. Yeah. That was one of those, what's that verse in Proverbs? The... Uh, the kisses of a of an enemy, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a true, true friend that brought truth into my life that was so needed at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people would get something like that and say, "Like, I'll never speak to him again," right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, praise God, praise God. Okay, continue, Colin. Amen. Well, you know, um, the idea here is that a flattery appeals to us in two ways. First, it appeals to our vanity and our pride. Mm. And the best defense against this is humility. Mm. And we know in the book of Proverbs, humility is one of the prerequisites for wisdom. And so flattery goes, someone who's pursuing a path of wisdom and humility and fear of the Lord will naturally have a defense against flattery if they're being humble, if they're mm. practicing humility. Mm. Secondly, it, appear, it appeals to our, our well, prejudices. Right. Could, couldn't you have a false humility, though? You've got to be careful of that as well, right? Yeah, you do, absolutely. A false humility. Humility is properly placing yourself in the sight of God. And so um, Jesus, for instance, was humble. And it wasn't a false humility. He was properly placing himself in the proper place before God, mm. which ascribes the value that God ascribes and the position that God ascribes. It rightfully places you in the universe. But there's another form of flattery that's dangerous as well. It's appealing to our prejudices, our moods, or our, our um, excitability. It's the idea of a person who feels wronged or, or misjudged or mistreated. And, and a flatterer comes around and sympathizes with our anger and our jealousy and our vanity and stirs us up. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, they, they pose as our friend, but they're really not. Oh, boy, I can think of, Go ahead. You're yeah, I was wondering. So... John Fornoff was talking about how a flatterer is someone who gives you a compliment with an agenda. And I was just wondering if we could, like, define that a little bit more. Like, what yeah. kind of agenda? Because they're not going to yeah. get anything from you. Well, not are necessarily. They, they oh, can. Oh, so they are if, getting something from you. Oh, Mark, yes. Oh, I'm so excited. No, Go ahead. You, you, no, you tell me. Okay. Okay. So in the Bible, David is um, king, and his son Absalom has gone to kill his his brother, uh-huh. okay, because um, David didn't do anything. Um, it was um, who's the brother that um, raped his sister Tamar? Um, anyway, so a- no, a- so Absalom kills his brother, be- his stepbrother, because he rapes his sister Tamar. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> as soon as that happens, um, there's a report that comes to David, mm. and the report is this: that all of your sons are dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amnon was the young man who did that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Amnon is the one that's dead. Yes. Okay. But then there's this friend of Amnon's. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the friend of Amnon's, I forget his name. Um, he's the one that tells Amnon, hey, listen, you want your sister? Here's the plan. Go and feign that you're sick. Mm. And then once you have her by herself, then you can do what you want. So he comes alongside of Amnon. And pretends he's like his good friend. Oh, Jonadab was Jonadab. That that's yep. him. Yes, mm. and he and he does all of this stuff behind the scenes. He gets he gets Amnon to think that he's got this great plan, and so therefore he he places him in high esteem as his counselor. Okay, mm-hmm. so Amnon's dead, and guess who comes on the scene once again? Jonadab. Mm. And guess how he comes? 
the report comes, and I think Jonadab set this up. The report comes, all your sons are dead, David. And David is totally beside himself, sackcloth and ashes. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, guess who comes along the scene? Jonadab. And says mm-hmm. to David, oh, think not, my king, that all your sons are dead. It's only one that's dead. Which this guy's using this technique of coming alongside of David, knowing this whole thing, that only Amnon's dead, but getting the report first that all your sons are dead, and now breaking it a little bit easier. No, not all your sons are dead, just this one. Jonadab is very much like, even though it's not outright flattery, he's practicing the same thing as far as coming alongside, knowing what's going on with your friend. Let's say, Molly, you're having a real bad day, mm-hmm. and someone sees it, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say that I've offended you. Okay. And this person has seen the argument between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a few spats over the last few years. Not bad, but God's always redeemed us. Praise God. You don't want to say anything? I don't have anything to say. You have spats with everyone. <laughs> so, so let's say this person sees this, and all of a sudden they come over to you and saying, like, hey, um, I, I heard the way Dr. Hamby talked to you. Like, has he done that before? I mean, like, hey, can I pray with you? Um, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. And all of a sudden, this person comes alongside of you, and Mm -hmm. they just start because they want you to think of them in a higher, higher level. They want you to think this person's kind of like, oh, this person's healing, you know, the the hurt of my soul. But really, all they're looking for is high esteem for themselves. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Is that what you're trying to get at? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of friendship is very, very tricky to discern because they're agreeing with us. Mm Mm-hmm. And we naturally want people to agree with us. Mm-hmm. And so you have, to, you have to look at this and have a little bit of humility. And you have to understand that what you need is someone who's going to conform to what God says mm-hmm. and agree with you. Not agreeing with you because they're conforming to what you say. Conforming to God's opinion and agreeing about what God says is true friendship. Mm-hmm. Conforming to a view that you have and agreeing about a view that's, that's not, has, doesn't have to do with God. It's just mm-hmm. agree- That's... That's that's pride. How about when David's mighty men? Um, David, here's your chance to kill Saul. He's up into the cave. Yeah. You can kill him now. You just, David, do you realize all the dirty, dastardly things he's done to you? Mm-hmm. And David, we know that you're the true king. David, this is your opportunity. Go up into that cave, David, and kill Saul right now. I, I've been in this spot. It's really amazing. It's a dark cave. You know, there's water trickling out of it. David's in the very back of the hinder part. And there Saul is in the front of it. Go in the bathroom. And it's a perfect opportunity for David to kill Saul. And what does David say? I will not lay my hand against God's anointed. Mm-hmm. You know, David understood. This is Saul. Even though he's throwing spears at me, trying to kill me, I know that God has allowed this to happen for my good in preparation for me to be the kind of king that Israel needs. And until God takes Saul out, I'm going to see him as God's anointed in my life. Mm. That's not easy. Do you think someone can flatter another person without knowing it? Absolutely. Colin? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's three absolutely. Small. And it doesn't That's a lot of absolutely. Be, well, it doesn't have to necessarily be the kind of flattery um, you know, when a kid, when you have two kids before you, mm-hmm. in, in someone has has to be right and someone has to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You tend to favor the kid whose disposition is more more. I know your mom. I okay, mom. I know you're right. <laughs> mom, I'll do whatever you say. And the kid who's like, no, they're wrong. They're wrong. You tend to think they're wrong automatically. Oh, interesting. And so you have to get to the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. You know, some people 
like uh, the proverb says, a gift makes makes your position before the king. Mm. Yeah. Some people will bring a gift before you of, of kind words, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that creates a position for them, a, a, a standing for them. But mm-hmm. what you have to get to is the truth. Wow, so it's like flattery is kind of directly tied to manipulating yes. people. Yeah. That's and kind deceit. of creepy. Well, and, and, and it's subtle, too, because sometimes flattery comes where you see an injustice in the world. Mm. And you see something that's wrong, whether in the world, like politics. And mm-hmm. someone comes along and they stir you up with good rhetoric. They're right. They're right. They're right. Mm-hmm. And it just gets you frustrated and angry and stirs you up and, and gets you mad and it doesn't go anywhere. And mm-hmm. they don't bring you back to God mm-hmm. and the cross and the gospel and, and give you that peace and that hope. They just stir you up and they leave you stirred up. Those kind of people are not friends. Mm-hmm. You know, godly conversation should make you a better person. Mm-hmm. At this point in my life, you know, I deal with a lot of donors that support Lamplighter Ministries. I've got to be so careful. I mean, mm-hmm. these people give, you know, they give to us. Some give out of their... You know, they they don't have a lot of money, and they give to us. And some people have a lot of money, Mm -hmm. okay, and they give to us. How do I approach the person who has little and gives $5 a month as opposed to the person who gives Mm $100,000 a year? How do I approach those two types of people? Do I approach them the same way? Or when I'm with the $100,000, $200,000 person, do I lift them up a little bit higher mm. than I would talk to somebody else? I've James be... talks about this. Who does? James. What does he say? Remember there was the whole uh, guy who came into church and he was like rich and stuff and people were, mm-hmm. he was kind of warning against treating them more favorably. Like, oh, you can sit in the front with the pastor's kids or whatever. And then there's someone who comes in who's all poor and stuff and they're like, okay, go sit in the back. Like, mm-hmm. they, uh, There's that temptation. And it actually reminds me a little bit of the Salvation Army Church that we're going to right now. Mm-hmm. And we were just happened, we just happened to be invited there. And when we went, um, you know, you're surrounded by all different types Homeless of people. Homeless people, people laying on the <laughs> yeah. benches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing that always blows me away when we go is like the worship is incredible. Yeah. Uh, God just started a very beautiful, unique ministry there with the Eastman Music. Yeah, isn't this crazy? We're at the Salvation Army. Homeless people, yeah. drugs, you know, people on drugs. Mm-hmm. And then the music is done by the Eastman School of Music it's graduates. Angelic. It's angelic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the best praise and worship services I've it? ever yes. been a part of. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. It is amazing. And then afterwards, it's even more amazing. But keep going, Molly. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that just blows me away each week is the pastor there. He's an extremely humble person. But he goes and he individually seeks out the people who are, you know, sometimes there are people who have a disturbance or they, you know, they're mentally a little off or whatever. And he always goes and he just puts his arm on them and mm. prays with them. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mm-hmm. show partiality or favor. Yeah. He's not like, lamp later, you guys are amazing. He just spends the whole time talking to us. Like, he'll come over and say hi. But then he'll also, like, go and get on his knees with the people yeah. who are coming in from the streets. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, the opposite. You know, we um, today in class, uh, we ended our class today on how to study the Bible and we ended it mm. learning about how to study parables. So we went to uh, Mark chapter 11, and I talked about the parable of the fig tree that was withered. Mm. And then I, I, That's I, one of my favorites. I talked about how this lesson about faith that you bring from that uh, and the lack of, of, of true, genuine worship in the temple, mm. that influences when the parable of the widow and the two mites. In chapter mm-hmm. 12, you've got Jesus in verse 38 through 40 condemning the scribes and Pharisees Mm -hmm. for wanting the honor and and the position. And then he talks about the widow, and he talks about how she's honored by God. Mm. And it kind of boils down to this idea that 
Their sin was their pride. And it wanted them to reap this bountiful harvest of praise. Mm. And her humility and her faith was what was worthy of honor before God. Mm. And this idea that God looks on the inside, not on the outside. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people can flatter us and because we're prideful. We want to be like the scribes. So the scribes and Pharisees were enabled by all these people who are flattering them. Yeah. And the widow is right there, and all she has is her and God, and God honors that. Yeah. You mm. know, we've got to do a podcast on the fig tree. That's one yes. of my favorite passages <laughs> in the Bible. It. Oh, it's amazing. Once you go to Israel and see the actual <laughs> first green figs, which were for the poor people, they're a little bitter. But then the, the guess what's on the tree before the figs are grown? What's before the, the leaves are on the trees. When mm-hmm. Jesus comes upon <laughs> this tree, it's full of leaves. Mm-hmm. It should have been at that time of year full of green figs, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. So it's doing what? It's living this life in hypocrisy, like yeah. the Pharisees. Yeah, it's a it's a Christian who claims they have faith but doesn't have any fruit. Exactly. Mm. Okay, save that one. We're gonna, you and I are going to do that one. Molly, this is going to be a blast doing the fig tree. Oh, okay, awesome. one, one more illustration, then let's get right back into the flattering friends. Um, I praise God that he has just, he continues to humble me, you know, because he's in control. Whenever I try to get in control... And make things happen, mm-hmm. it's always a disaster. But when God's in control, so there's this one donor. And I'm going to go back to the donor story. Mm. And, uh, you know, I drove all the way to his house. took me about f- five, six hours to get there. Mm. And I'll never forget this moment. You guys got to picture this. So have you guys ever seen a Clint Eastwood movie where they're standing in the street ready to draw their guns, Old Western? Can picture mm-hmm. So I get there, and I get out of my car, and he's standing over by a basketball court. He's cleaning things up, and he picks up the basketball, and um, he's putting things away. He's about, I think he's, I'm guessing he's six foot one, maybe, mm-hmm. six two. Um, built fairly well, you know, muscular. And uh, so I, I get out of my car, and he knows I'm coming. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay overnight with his family and get to know them a little bit better. I try to do that with, uh, with, our, um, with our friends and supporters. And I get out of the car, and he looks at me, and you could tell the look in his eye. And the look in my eye was just like, hmm, you got a basketball in your hands? <laughs> I'm like, and he looked at me, and I'm going like, and we both kind of had this his shoulders up, like, uh-huh. let's do it. And he goes, come on, you think you can take me on? <laughs> this, this is our first time. I met him at a conference, but this is our first time really meeting each other. So I, I open up my truck, my just my Sneakers happen Mm -hmm. to be back there. Put my sneakers on. We go up there. And before we even really get to know each other, we are playing basketball. Mm -hmm. And we are playing to the death. (laughs) (laughs) So we can't, we cannot beat each other. It's like best, you gotta win by two. We can't, and we're exhausted. I'm ready for a heart attack. He's ready for a heart attack. (laughs) And we go like, okay, listen, whoever makes it from half court, you know, Mm -hmm. wins. So he goes all the way to half court. You know, this is probably a good 40, 40 feet away, and uh, and he shoots it up and swishes it. Oh. And he goes, game over. And I'm like, no, I get a shot too. So I go over there, and I shoot it up off the backboard and swish right in. <laughs> oh, man. He goes, I hit it first. I won. I said, <laughs> so we went inside and played ping pong, and he killed me. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know... You don't have to prove anything to anyone. If you're yeah. going to be a good friend, mm-hmm. enjoy yep. each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't have to try to prove something. You just learn to 
Enjoy yeah. each other. Pray for one another. And now it's been close to at least 10 years later. You know, we have an amazing relationship. Mm-hmm. We pray for him. I send him scriptures from time to time. He sends me ideas that help me to grow. Yeah. It's iron sharpening iron yeah. rather it, than flattering sharpening Yeah, and, and And I think a Christian, mm-hmm. like someone who loves the Lord, ought to see everything they have as a gift from the Lord, including their talents and abilities. Amen. Mm-hmm. So when someone flatters it, it should, it should result in you just saying, the Lord has given me this mm-hmm. and praise the Lord for what he's given me. Rather than saying, look what I have, look at me. Mm. And so when the glory is properly going to God, flattery should, should sort of, you should be, you should be protected against it. When we open ourselves up in our pride to taking, taking the glory that belongs to God onto ourselves, that we really open ourselves up to disaster. Mm. But you don't want to always be like, Molly, say something nice to me. Uh, Mark, I like your shirt. <laughs> well, well, it's because of, well, it's really because of God that I have this shirt today. <laughs> you know, you don't want to always be saying, like, it's because of God. Oh. Okay, know. okay. Well, th- I have a story. So yeah. my father, you know my father, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember uh, one Christmas, I, I was a pretty saucy teenager. <laughs> and I remember one Christmas, I had an idea. Mm-hmm. So my everyone gets a big present for Christmas, right, from their parents. Yes. I opened my big present. It's a Super Nintendo. I look at it and I look around and they're all looking at me and I go, I, I humbly thank God for this present. <laughs> and I looked on my dad's face. He looked at me and he's like, he was just, he was, you could tell the wheels were spinning in his head. That was awesome. And he was, he was like, well, God is going to have you wait until after New Year's to play that, son. <laughs> and I was like, no! But I, I thought I got him, but you never, you never got him. Oh, that's funny. But it was, it was that idea that, like, Mark's right, you can't have a false humility. Yeah, yeah. When people compliment you, you need to have enough confidence to accept it mm-hmm. and to fully take it in but also to give the glory to God in your heart. Yeah. Yes. One thing I do think, because you were talking about flattery and like telling someone that they like their shirts, not necessarily always flattery. So is there also that difference between if someone compliments you? you Yeah, I think those are, yeah. If they're like genuinely flattering you. Unless you're going to say, I hate this. You ready? Yeah. I hate this more than anything. You give someone a compliment. Uh Uh-huh. I like your shirt, Molly. Thank you. And she says... I got it at the Salvation Army, or I got it at the, <laughs> oh, it only cost me $2. They're always telling people how much it costs them. <laughs> oh, well, girls care about that stuff sometimes. They know, but you don't. I, they just forget sometimes. Say, I, got it, I got it on, like, Broadway, and it cost me 10000 whatever. Uh-huh. I don't tell people. Yeah. I just think that's. When you, oh, you like this? Oh, 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 it's nothing. It's just a little thing. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that attitude. Thing. They're yeah. always telling, like. Yeah. Oh, great shoes. Oh, yeah, I got them. These are used. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Because that's usually the follow-up question. Oh, where'd you get them? And so yeah. they're just like... Well, I got them at the... Where's the place you go to? The not yeah. Salvation Army. What's it called? Amazon. No, the, yeah. the places you guys go to. Goodwill? Goodwill. Goodwill. Oh, yeah. I got it at Goodwill. Yeah. You yeah. guys all, all go to Goodwill. I don't have a problem with that. Uh-huh. I think that's kind of cool. But a lot of people do it because they're afraid of what people think of them. Oh, in, really? in, oh, in the church. Well, yeah. well, people with a low self-esteem tend to deflect compliments. Mm. And, and in oh, that sense, people with a low self-esteem, and you got to understand, low self-esteem, high self-esteem are both improper. Mm-hmm. What you need to have is you need to have your confidence in God. And a person who has their confidence mm-hmm. in God can accept a compliment mm. and take it into themselves and really process it and, and, and reciprocate and say thank you for that. Okay, for example, <clears throat> the shirt, cool shirt, right? Yes. Okay, so... I got this at Goodwill. Mm-hmm. So you say, that's a really cool shirt. I'm like, you know what? I love it too. It's one of my favorites. I got this at Goodwill. I couldn't believe I found it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to hide 
the fact that I, you know, didn't spend a lot of money on it. Oh, so you think that some people actually say those things to be like, oh, I didn't spend a lot of money. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just genuinely saying, like, I found this at Goodwill. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. rather than a lot of people's like, oh, because they don't want people to think, like, I'm spending a lot of money either. Oh, yeah, that's not great. Yeah, and that happens in the church a lot. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember one fellow, he, um, he could not bring his new car to church because yeah. of what mm-hmm. people would think. Would think. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget Frank Wright. He always got a new Buick. It was once a year he got a new Buick. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and every time he got one, the talk... You know, like, mm-hmm. where does he get all his money? This guy must have money stashed in his mattress somewhere, you know. There's all kinds of talk like that. And there was some jealousies that mm-hmm. you would see mm-hmm. because he would always get a brand-new Buick every year. Mm-hmm. He loved his Buicks. Every time he'd get a Buick, I, Frank, can you take me out for a ride? I can't <laughs> wait to drive it. Frank, Frank, um, did you do your will yet? Because this would be really cool for you to give <laughs> okay. me this car in your okay. will, you know. And Frank, he would laugh, you know, uh-huh. and yeah. we'd have a blast. He loved showing off his car. Uh-huh. But there were jealousies. And as a result of those jealousies, one of one of my peers bought a car mm-hmm. and he couldn't drive it to church mm-hmm. because he didn't want people talking. Mm-hmm. So what what happens? You know, I, I, had a, I had a person I had in one of my churches who wouldn't buy a Corvette. His lifelong dream was to buy a Corvette. He had worked. He had a business. He was successful. He had enough money to buy a Corvette, mm-hmm. but because of fear of man is a snare. Mm. His fear of man was a snare to him. And so because he was afraid of that, he couldn't just buy the Corvette and enjoy it. Mm. You know, um, it's one thing if you say that money's better for the poor, but if that money's just sitting in the bank and you're worried more about what people think mm-hmm. than living and enjoying your life and what God has given you because your hard work and labors, mm-hmm. you have to understand the fear of man is a snare. When you live your life for the approval of other people. When you live your life for the approval of your parents or the approval of your church community, mm-hmm. you have to understand your approval comes from God and you should live your life to be approved by God. Mm. And that God is amazing. He wants us to have a Buick. He wants us to have a Corvette. But he also wants us to take care of the poor. And mm-hmm. you can do both of those. Mm-hmm. Okay, time out, time out. God doesn't want me to have a Corvette. Well, no, he doesn't want you. He wants. He does not want you to have a Corvette. Yes, Mark. But you said something. He wants else. you to buy me a Corvette. <laughs> no, no. Listen. Last time we talked about this illustration, I remember it. You said to me, you said, "Yes, I wanted him to get the Corvette so that he can get all of his foolish notions about driving a yes, Corvette out of his absolutely. system." Absolutely. Okay. Talk about absolutely. That. Well, the idea is, is I would rather he overcome the, the snare that was set in his life, mm. the fear of man, mm-hmm. approval of others, and this is very. Big for some people who grew up in families where there's a system set up where they have to earn their parents' approval. Because mm. it's very hard to understand God then. Mm-hmm. How we don't merit any favor in God's eyes. And so I wanted him to get the Corvette because I knew and I had a sneaking suspicion that he would see in that Corvette that it wasn't everything he thought it would be. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't. Mm. And he wouldn't be as delighted in it. And then he would move on to the next thing. But it was it was in the obtaining of it that he would overcome that idea of what would people think. They would talk around town. Mm-hmm. They would gossip. And it's like, you can't live your life like that. Mm-hmm. I think if he would have gotten the Corvette, he probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. I have sneaking suspicion he wouldn't have enjoyed it as mm-hmm. much as he thought he would. Mm-hmm. And then he would be able to move on from it. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be there in his life as a thing anymore. The idea of, like, you got to move on. Like, you got to overcome your... Like sin presents obstacles to you in your life, and you've got to overcome those obstacles. And so overcoming the fear of man, if it leads to buying a Corvette, 
obtaining the Corvette hopefully would lead to realizing the emptiness of it and how his dreams were misplaced. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully he would grow as a Christian and get to the point where he his his goals were, were centered on, on outward working of the Holy Spirit and other people and not on mm-hmm. physical possessions. But I don't think just saying don't get the Corvette was the right course of action. Mm-hmm. So what does that have to do, let's bring it back, what does this all have to do with flattering friends? Well, it's, it's the idea of, of other people and their role in your life. Mm. What role do other people play in your life, particularly your friends? Mm-hmm. And I think it all goes back to discernment. You need to have insight, spiritual insight into people. And you need to see with spiritual eyes, what are they contributing to my life? What are they adding to my life? And is it good, as God would say, is it, is it, is it profitable? Is it making me a better Christian? Mm-hmm. Or is it simply flattering me? And, and, and flattery ultimately results in vanity, like pride. Mm-hmm. It's empty. It comes to nothing. You know, the, these, these ideas and these notions ultimately will come to nothing. And the things that are substantial, you know, the wounds of a friend, those make you a better Christian. Those, are, those make you a better person. And that's mm-hmm. an eternal Thing. We have a great God that's fighting for us, and, and the only way that this great God, that we win with this great God, is to allow him to do his perfect work in our hearts, mm-hmm. humble us when, when needed, mm-hmm. taking off the rough edges, mm-hmm. and um, staying in his word, mm-hmm. and knowing him, praying without ceasing, a work of faith, a labor of love, mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. cheerful endurance of hope. Amen. God bless. We'll look forward to talking with you again with some more biblical insights of Fastened Lightnings. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.